meant to be. It doesn't make Christianity all about us. It doesn't make it so that we are the centre of the whole thing, as if the gospel is all about us, and we were the thing at the centre of it. No, Jesus is the thing there. And having said that, when you look at verse 21, you see how it begins. It says, once you, or and you, once you. You see, we mustn't make um, the gospel all about ourselves. And yet, can you see that from these verses, what we see is that actually we are, ourselves are being drawn into the drama of Christ. Uh, we have been drawn into everything about Christ. Uh, the drama which was created through Jesus and which was reconciled through Jesus. Uh, we are caught up into that to be part of that as well. And so this morning we're going to see our place in that. And the first thing that Paul says is to, he says, remember who you were. You see how he begins in verse 21. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behaviour. Once you were. And he's describing the past of the, the Colossians who were listening to this letter read, probably sitting in Philemon's house. Uh, and it's true, really, of us as well. So he wrote it for them there, and yet it's the, the truth is the same for us here. It's true for, for everyone, everywhere, over all of time. It's a universal for, for humanity. This is what we were like. And he says, you were alienated from God. You were alienated. Estranged from God. And I wonder if you've had that experience of, of alienation. Of being somewhere you don't quite belong. Where things are not quite right. The experience where you don't quite fit. I remember being at a conference once and kind of standing um, in the midst of hundreds of people on my own thinking I've got no friends. Um, so rather than just look at the text that I didn't have, I decided I would go and uh, speak to my friends. So I went and found them, the two people uh, standing across the other side. So I went and stood with them and realised they were having a rather personal, serious conversation, which just made it even more awkward. So I kind of stood awkwardly next to them for a few minutes um, and then decided I really did need to go and check you know, my text to see what everybody was saying. But you know that feeling, it it was just awkward. It wasn't right. I didn't feel like I belonged in the situation. But you see, the alienation that we have with God, although it's similar to that, it's far worse. It's not just an awkward feeling. It's not just feeling out of place. We're alienated from the one that we learned about last week in verses 15 to 20. The one who made everything. Do you remember that? Outside of whom nothing exists. The one who holds everything together in the world. And we were alienated from that one. We were alienated from God. The one who animates everything and holds it all together. We were alienated from him, estranged from him. The one whom you depend upon for life, you were alienated from. You see, it's much more than a social discomfort, this alienation. And it's something which we need to think about. You see, the alienation is terrible. And being estranged from the one from whom you depended for life. Then you might look at people who are not Christians and think they've got a happy life. They've got a good life. They go on good holidays. They have good nights out. They get good jobs. And yet this is the truth about them is that they are alienated from God. Alienated from the one who holds everything together. You see you can't live a life which is full of purpose and meaning if that's what you're like. You see, we have to see people rightly. We have to understand our past rightly and see those without Christ rightly. 
But you see, Paul goes on. You see, people are alienated from God. And he goes on in verse 21. They were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. Enemies in your minds. Or the ESV translates it, hostile in your minds. Enemies, hostile. That's what characterized these Colossians. And that's what characterizes people outside of Christ. Now their thoughts and emotions and attitudes and intentions were hostile to God. Now Dick Lucas says, we deceive ourselves if we imagine that human apathy is the problem. We deceive ourselves if we think human apathy is the problem. You see, they were hostile in their minds, antagonistic to God, actively rejecting God. They are fighting against him. It's not just apathy, it's hostility, it's enemies. In that picture of estrangement, it gets even deeper when we come to grips with the kind of language then that Paul's using. And the final thing Paul says is that their actions demonstrate that hostility. The verse 21 again. You were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. You see, their behaviour shows what's in their minds. It proves what was already there. There's a close link what goes on um, in our minds, what's in our hearts, and in the way that we act. Now, Sometimes we can suppress those things and so we can act uh, contrary to what we think and what we uh, have in our hearts. But there's times when you see it happen. So consider uh, your friends when they go and get drunk and the way that they act then, when their inhibitions are lowered, uh, think about the way that they act. Now for a lot of guys, it will cause them to talk very sexually and to try and seek a sexual encounter. It's not that the drink has caused that in them. No, it's what was inside their heart coming out, what was inside their mind being seen. No, it's the same with my uh, children in some ways. When, I, when they get really angry with each other, and, and I say to them, why were you getting angry? And they say, well, so-and-so made me angry. And I say, no, they didn't make you angry. You didn't get your own way. And so that made you angry. It was what was inside them that made them angry. And because somebody got in the way of what they wanted to do, the anger came forth. You see, the same is true for people who are enemies in their minds because of their evil, enemies in their minds. Their evil behaviour shows it. Now, sometimes uh, we can keep it inside. But other times we will know that things do come out hostile in our minds and seen in our actions. And so Paul says to these Colossian Christians, that defined you. That alienation from God. And that's what you were like without Christ. Now, I suspect that for many here today, though, you might find it difficult to relate to that description. You know, you maybe you've grown up in a Christian family, in, in many ways have always known God. You've not um, seemed to have such a, a rejection of God. Now, as John Woodhouse says, we find it hard to think we've been alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. It sounds like a grotesque overstatement. You see, but what these words should do for us, though, is to help us to realise what life apart from Christ is actually like. And as John Woodhouse goes on, he says, these words are meant to help us to see that apart from Christ, we were utterly lost. If you cannot remember a time when you were apart from Christ, that is beside the point. Can you see what life apart from Christ is like? Can you see what life 
apart from Christ is like. That's what Paul describes for us here. You were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behaviour. Well, let's um, in our groups think a little bit more about what that was like and really get to grips with uh, what life apart from Christ looks like in some uh, a passage to look at in your groups. So what we see is Paul describes what they were and now he moves on to what they, what they are now, what has happened uh, to them. Uh, and you see, he does that by using... Um, that kind of little device there where he says once you were this but then verse 22 but now so once you were characterised by alienation or hostility in your minds and now Christ has reconciled you've been reconciled you see that's verse 21 but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death that's what's happened to them they've been reconciled by Christ's physical death, uh, physical body through death. You see, from alienation, they've moved to reconciliation. You see, understanding the past helps you to understand so much more of what's happened to you now. And how wonderful it is to hear that you, who were alienated from God, hostile in mind because of your evil behaviours, now you've been reconciled to him. And Paul's picking up what he's already said in verses 19 and 20. Do you remember there he said, For God is pleased to have us all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven or things on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, the, the reconciliation of all things which has occurred through Christ's death on the cross has happened for you. It's happened for those who were enemies of God, They've been reconciled back. You see, Christ was put back in his rightful place, uh, the place where he was in charge of all, and uh, so he could become that. And Christ's death was sufficient then for you to be included in that, for you to be reconciled. Uh, You who were apart from God, hostile to God, and yet wonders of wonders, you have been reconciled to God. You see, understand what life is like apart from Christ, and you see how great the mercy of God is to you you deserve condemnation and yet you receive reconciliation nothing that you did to deserve it no you were people who were enemies of God William William Grimshaw was a um, a minister in the the town of Haworth in Yorkshire Uh, he became the minister in 1743 he was a a contemporary and friend of John Wesley and, and others involved in the evangelical a revival at that time. Now, this is quite sad. He became, a, he became um, a Christian minister in a church before he was actually even a Christian. And this, is what, this is how one person described him um, and others like him. He says, Oh, what a scandal to religion are swearing, drunken, horse racing, gambling, and ungodly ministers, and what a jest or stumbling block to the world. And that's what uh, Grimshaw was described as. But a number of circumstances led Grimshaw in his life to become aware that all was not well. One such thing was when he had to, he was called to the house of a couple whose young child um, had died and he went and had nothing to say. He didn't know what to say to this couple who were grieving so terribly. And from that he was, it was said he was taken with a seriousness in his religion and his faith and he tried to be good. He tried to follow the Ten Commandments to, to be a moral upstanding person. And then he confides to a close friend this. 
This is what he, what he would say about his efforts. This is what he said. It led to very strong and painful convictions of his own guilt and helplessness and misery by helping him to see what he did not suspect before that his heart was deceitful and desperately wicked. You see, he came to realise that he was hostile in mind, alienated from God, and realised that he was absolutely helpless, and there was no solution that he could find to it. Until that was, he was visiting a friend one day, and, and happened to find um, uh, John Owen's book on justification sitting on the coffee table. Uh, so he picked it up and read the introduction where he heard the gospel. Uh, he heard the gospel for the first time, and there was a crucial question in the introduction. It said this, it called him to ask whether he would trust into, unto his own personal righteousness. So whether he would trust himself or betake himself unto the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ alone. Who was he going to trust? Himself in all his wickedness or was he going to trust God? Was he going to trust Christ and his righteousness? Now he would later convine in his friend Henry Venn I was now willing to renounce myself every degree of fancied merit and ability and to embrace Christ only for my all in all. Oh, what light and comfort did I now enjoy in my own soul and what a taste of the pardoning love of God. You see, Grimshaw, on reading of the gospel, of hearing the gospel, found himself reconciled to God. Realising who he was, that he had nothing within himself which could save him, but in Christ there was a way for to be reconciled. And he became reconciled to God in, in Lancashire that day, and, and then served God faithfully in Haworth. You see, it's the story of William Grimshaw, but it's the story of many before him and the many after. It's our story, if we are Christians here today, if we realise what we are without Christ and then realise the reconciliation that we have in him. Not because of our own fancied merits, what we fancy ourselves like, but truly understanding what we are really like before and then the reconciliation that he gives and finding great joy in being forgiven by God. Be reconciled by him. Be reconciled through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see the way it happened? Verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. You see Christ the perfect human, the one who lived a perfect life. Through his death you've been reconciled. By his death, by his body, the reconciliation was not because of what we have done, entirely due to what Christ did for us on the cross. Now we need to see that there is nothing that we can do to earn salvation, nothing that we can do to add to it, nothing that we could do to earn reconciliation with God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and Christ died for us. And while you were hostile, to Christ, to God, he died for us. Hallelujah, what a saviour. Guilty, vile and helpless we, spotless lamb of God, was he. Hallelujah, what a saviour. Well, Paul says, what you once were, eh, what has happened to you. Then he outlines the purpose of that. He says, eh, what will happen to you? And you see it in verse 22. 
But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. You see, the reconciliation has happened uh, so that you might be presented holy and blameless and without accusation. And I think Paul is speaking here of the future time, the time when Christ returns, when you will stand in the presence of God and this will be what characterises you. Holy, blameless, without accusation. You'll be holy, you'll be faultless, irreproachable. No, on that day when we stand before Christ, that's what describes us. Presented perfect. No stain on our character, no moral impurity, which is just staggering. Consider who you were, what Christ has done, and what will will you be like when you stand there. The thing really that sums it all up is free from accusation. Irreproachable. The devil is called the accuser. And yet when he points to the filth on mankind and says, look how dirty you are before God. And yet on that day, when, when you stand there, he might point at you, but there is nothing which he can see. There's no accusation which he can bring against you to cause God to think, yes, he deserves judgment. You On that day, Christian, you will be completely blameless. Perfect. Nothing to be ashamed of. Not because of what you have done, but because of what Christ has done. Now you might illustrate what I've been saying with that little uh, diagram with that weird man. Um, so what Paul's done is he's, he's, he's outlined their past, alienated from God. He says, this is what you're like in the present. Reconciled. And then he shows them what their future will be. Uh, holy, blameless, free from accusation. But just think, uh, maybe just discuss this with the person next to you for a few minutes. Um, how are you going to get to that future? You see, you've presented the, the, the past, the present, you mean, we see how we've got there, but how do you get to the future? How do you get to that time as you, as you look at your life ahead? How, do, how are you going to get to the future? Um, so discuss that with the person next to you. How, what do you think? How do you get to the future? Maybe have a think as well, how would other people, um, maybe friends or Christian friends that you've got, think, how might they answer that kind of questions. Maybe in twos or threes in your groups, just have a, a short discussion on that for two or three minutes.